Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the world. This is the Between the Joysticks podcast with your hosts, Soul Man and LZ. Yep, we're here. So we're going to dip right into some things because it's not going to be a very long podcast. Um, not a lot of stuff has been going on this week. It's been kind of quiet. That's normal for this time of the year, uh, especially like entertainment-wise, game-wise. Um, there's just not a lot going on. Not a ton of movies are coming out, uh, especially that are in our wheelhouse. We do have Birds of Prey coming out next, this, tomorrow. Yeah. The 7th. You're right. It is yeah. this weekend. Because so, we got all the critic reviews that came in. Which, right. As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to DC movies anymore, basically this is just my opinion as, as it comes to all superhero movies, whether it's DC, Marvel, independent stuff like Boom Comics, Dynamite, whatever. Uh, because Kingsman isn't really any of those, but it's still a comic right. based movie. Um, I don't really care what the critics have to say. I mean, all the ones around Birds of Prey are looking pretty positive. I mean, Joker got pretty much universal acclaim, um, right? Which was pretty out of character from for uh, DC films. I think the only any, review any superhero film at all. Um, but like we said, everything we've seen so far from the the trailers and the way they cut stuff and from what people are reporting from early screenings and advanced screenings is this is very Deadpool-esque in a film. And as as I've said before, Harley and Joker are really the only two DC characters that can really break the fourth wall uh, yeah. canonically from the way that they're written um, due to their, their super insanity, uh, super psychosis that they have. Um, the way it's actually written out for Joker uh, is... is his advanced super psychosis basically leads him to believe that the reason he can cause all this chaos and trying to break Batman is by some pseudo realization that he may believe that all of everything that is his life is fake. Right. Which, un, which is, is what lets him, you know, be completely devoid of any, any morality. Um, which we know based on Harley's proximity to Joker, it's very likely that that super sanity, because hers is very much an extension of that psyche right. via, you know, her character evolving through a very, very advanced uh, Stockholm Syndrome. It makes sense that they would have that fourth wall-breaking ability for her and for Joker. They're very much the same. See in the movie? Deadpool can. No, he is okay. not visibly Not sane. at all. Gotcha. Um, I wasn't sure. I, I thought I'd, I'd ask just to clarify. No, not not to not to anyone anyone's knowledge. Okay. Which I think it was even confirmed that Jared Leto wasn't even invited to set because they weren't they didn't want to reprise gotcha. anything that was done there. Gotcha. Especially with um the fact that it is a very loose sequel to the original right. Suicide Squad, but with James Gunn's new direction of Suicide Squad and with a total reboot almost of it. Um there are very few people actually returning for that, um, right? In in some capacity or another, um, but it is it is pretty much a hard reboot. So with them not continuing any of that, there is no point to bring Leto's Joker back in, um, especially with the storyline they went with the emancipation of Harley Quinn. In the comics, it's all about her breaking free from Joker, and by breaking free, I mean breaking in his face with a baseball bat until he's nothing but pulp. Uh, so there is no more Joker in in, in that DC story arc, um, but we we don't actually see that on screen. Like we saw from some of the TV spots and ads, it's her driving into an Ace Chemical plant in a truck with him off screen. So you only see her in the driver's seat, and then she ditches it while it 
runs in and explodes. So it's an off-screen death, very much like original writing of Smaug in the Hobbit franchise. You don't actually see the dragon die, you just are told that it dies. Right. Um, unlike the uh, Peter Jackson uh, nonsense. But um, again, the, the only thing that's really important for his character, as far as Harley's in this film, is... The fact that she is no longer an item. She is no longer beholden to him. Right. Um, but we get a lot of really good... I'm, I'm told that um, from what I've seen and from fan reactions, which is really the only thing that I think matters as far as these films are concerned anymore anyways. Yeah. Um, as long as the fans are having a good time, DC is kind of learning that that's kind of the way to go. Yeah. Especially after the, the fun that we got to see. That Even though it was a bit of a mess, Aquaman was still fun. It was a good Yeah, flight. absolutely. Uh, very much the way that most Godzilla and Transformers movies were. It wasn't necessarily the greatest DC movie, but you had fun watching it. Yeah. And that's what was important. Yes. Wonder Woman kind of broke the ground with that. They definitely strayed away and had some lighter moments, even though it was a war flick. Um, and it still had some of that darker overtones uh, that we'd gotten from DC before. Um, but this is definitely the furthest uh, iteration of that. Uh, and, and these are the best characters to do that. And from what I'm told... Uh, they did a lot of good justice uh, for this mostly female cast. Um, Black Mask, uh, Ewan McGregor's Black Cast, is definitely a character and a half. Uh, that's how some people are describing him. He's definitely an interesting take on the character. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's supposed to be a lot of good stuff. People are really excited about it. And one of the more recent DC writers who really brought Birds of Prey into its heyday uh Gail Simone, I believe is uh, her name. Um, she was actually there for on set for a lot of different things, or she was invited out for a bunch of early screenings. And she's just very, very excited, uh, right. at least on Twitter, seeing the things that she's seen through trailers and other things, even though she wasn't able to attend the premiere. Um, she is very, very happy with the way that the character's been done. Uh, and it's always good when the writers are happy with the character. Yes, that that absolutely. generally means that the fans are going to be happy as well. Um, so... I probably won't go see it in theaters, most because I really don't have time to divulge Understandable. Most, most most of that. Um, because I haven't I still haven't seen the last Spider Man movie. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm behind on I didn't realize you were that behind. No, I know everything that happens. Like I said, I I don't much put much stock in spoilers. Like if right. if the story is still solid, it's not gonna bother me. Right. Because I read so many comics and I'm I'm read up on most of the stuff that there's not really a whole lot of curves they can really throw me. Right. <laughs> Understandable. I mean, yeah, the MCU can do some twists and turns and take things in a different direction, but as yeah. far as I'm concerned, new story is still a great story, and if there's a spoiler, I'm more interested in seeing how they tackle that issue, Correct. that yeah, particular I, scene, I, I agree how that's you. handled in context, more so than the shock value of, holy crap, they're doing that, or that person's involved. I mean, because so many trailers and stuff nowadays give away so much. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot left to be spoiled between set leaks and things like that. Like our our podcast here, we're trying to cover every bit of news, rumor, and leak that we see coming out of there. So I really can't be in the business of being offended or shocked by spoilers. It's kind of in the line of business now. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand. Um, when it comes to things like that, uh, it's a little bit different with in the MCU because it's got a baseline to kind of work off of. Um, same thing with DC. They've got a baseline. Obviously, even though you take something like Birds of Prey, you've got a comic run to go off of, and then you can tweak things here, maybe add characters, pull characters out, little things like that. But for the most part, the Birds of Prey is going to have Harley Quinn. We know that. 
We know it has to deal with her leaving Joker. Same thing with, like, Spider-Man. To have a Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man's got to be in it. And a Spider-Man villain. So for the most part, you kind of know what you're getting with these. Uh, I, When it comes to things like Star Wars, I generally stay away from them a little bit more. I like to see some of the rumors, but... I mean, generally, all the rumors we've seen for most of the bigger pictures over the last couple years, Endgame, Infinity War, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, things like that, half the rumors and spoilers we see aren't really rumors and spoilers that came true anyway. So I don't mind looking at that stuff. Now, generally, when I get off the spoiler train, is like premiere night and the couple days leading up to where I know that, okay, this stuff is real because people have seen it and they're just being... Pardon my French, jackasses, spoiling things for people on the internet. That's generally when I stay away from stuff. Anything other than that, I would think I was reading last Je- or uh, Rise of Skywalker stuff, you know, six months out. That I was like, okay, that's a neat idea, but I don't really think that would ever happen. Uh, I mean, we had stuff from back at uh, the Force Awakens time where they were talking about Rey possibly being a Palpatine. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm sorry, you should have seen it already. It's been out for I don't know how long. Um, so I mean, obviously, comics are a little bit comic book movies are a little bit different. But yeah, there, you've there got a baseline. There is a grace period of you know what most fans, most decent people do understand. I mean, that's the reason that most companies have the whole ban on critic reviews leading up to a film is they don't want people to spoil right. things so far up because critics don't always do spoiler free reviews. Right. When they tackle certain things like cinematography and other things, when they talk about a particular scene, they may not feel that's important. Because they're talking about cinematography and how that particular yes. style of whatever is played out. They're not particularly concerned with the story element that's tied to that scene. Right. That they think was either done poorly or done very well. So, you know, and if they're not super into the material the way that most of the fan base, the audience will be, you know, that can lead to certain issues here and there and whatever. Yeah. And there's a reason that those rules exist. And a lot of good fans, people who've been out there who are interested in this stuff, they know to keep that stuff under wraps for at least a couple weeks, probably a month at the yeah. best. And like I said, you know, we've it's been out for almost two, three months now, the Rise of Sky- two. Skywalker. Well, actually, no, not even two. It's really only going on about... It's really only going on in a little over one. It came out late December. Yeah, so. but it's been such a popular thing. That right, I'm, and that's why even when we did our episode right after, uh, me and my uh, my brother-in-law did it right before, um, or right during Christmas time when you, you missed an episode, we right. put it, we put a spoiler review right there in the middle, right there at the beginning, make sure no one had any issues or anything. Yeah. You knew what you're getting into, and as long as you do that, I don't have any problems with that. But yeah, you either cover it or you put the flag up, and exactly. everybody's really good about it. And, and I think anything six months out is all speculation anyway. There's just, I mean, how often are things like that, like, correct? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and, and there's always going to be, some, like you said, you know, the guys that are out there just to cause chaos. And, yes. And create trouble and controversy and they just want to irritate people. There's always going to be people that are out there to, you know, rain on everybody else's parade. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that just can't be avoided. But so far, everything is overwhelmingly positive. All the characters seem to be getting pretty good ju- justice uh, in terms of birds of prey uh the only things that i've seen is it, it might be down to preference i'm not really sure but they basically said that huntress doesn't really get as much screen time or as much justice as the rest of them um which honestly uh, the way the way um the cast members are, are showing up black canary has a very large role and she's done very very well portrayed very very well written very very well um so i think depending on how they end up writing these characters into the future of um, whatever Harley Quinn franchise they spin off of this, since we know DC isn't really pushing for that connected universe right. anymore. Um, they're all kind of 
related to their own unique yeah. character films. Um, seeing where they push or take this for a third Harley Quinn-esque film, or if they do a Birds of Prey 2, I'm very curious to see how, how that plays out, and I'm very excited because Black Canary is one of my favorites, because, like you know, but you guys listening don't, Green Arrow is probably my absolute favorite DC character. Right. Um, so having his longtime canon love interest, Black Canary, get done a lot of justice the way that she didn't really get done on the Arrow CW series, which I have my own qualms with, um, R.I.P. Laurel, um, or OG Laurel. But um, yeah, what? I'm excited to finally see her get, get a lot of justice, even though, you know, character casting and diversity and whatever, people are going to, you know, moan and complain about that. I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, as long as the character is done justice from where her roots yeah. are in the stories, I don't care. That makes same sense. Problem, um, it's the same, you know, nonsense argument that they made when they said MJ was going to be played by Zendaya in Spider-Man. Oh, it's not, you know, pasty white MJ. Oh, right yeah, there. and that's and a then, you completely know, new character, in my opinion. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, they, it, I mean, they, they completely renamed her. The yes. initials aren't even for Mary Jane. Yeah. So, and her last name is not even Watson. So, you know, there's... It's a different MJ. It's a different character. Yeah, it's... And this is definitely D- Dinah Lance. Um, but, like I said, it's it's not wholly... The race isn't what makes the character. Yes, I agree with you. The gender isn't necessarily all the time what makes the character. I mean, there are all kinds of different versions and iterations in multiverses of, the, of these characters. So right. getting to see any iteration that's done true justice, I'm here for it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, but... Either way, uh, all in all, I'm excited to see it when I finally do get to see it when that comes around, whether it's in theaters or on streaming or however. Yeah. Um, it is exciting. It is something that look, looks to be very promising. And I encourage everybody who is a DC fan, uh, who enjoys any of these characters, go out and take a Yeah, absolutely. If you're a big DC, DC fan, I, I'd go see it. The only thing that would probably make me go see it is if I really want to go see Ewan McGregor on the big screen again. I, from what I've seen, I like I like what he's doing with Black Mask and the promotional stuff I've seen. He did a, he also did an appearance on I think it was the Today Show. Uh, I can't remember some morning show. Um, and he seemed really excited about that. Uh, he talked about Star Wars a little bit too, so that's why I tuned in. But getting to see the you know what he's doing with Birds of Prey, uh, it's a little bit interesting. I, I like that he's getting back into the kind of the main, you know. Um, the main side of Hollywood. He hasn't done something really big. I think Winnie the Pooh was his last big thing. Yeah, he was really great in that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's nice to see somebody who's always kind of cast as the good guy to get to play a yes, bad guy. Yes, that's exactly what I like, too. Yeah. I agree with you. Which is why Knives Out was really cool for me to get to see Chris Evans as a murder suspect because after seeing him as the pinnacle of all goodness that is Captain America and wholesomeness, it's good to see him kind of on the other end of the right. spectrum. Yeah, I still haven't seen that yet. I want to see it. I've heard great things about it. As soon as I get an opportunity, I'm sure I will. It's good, and if you want something that's a little more dark and gritty, uh, a really good... Um, there's a film with him in it on um, Netflix. I'm blanking on the title of it right now, but it's a dystopian future. It takes place on the... On the oh, those are the best. On the plane. Any, any dystopian trade. future thing, right up right up our aisle. Um, I'll have to look up yeah, the, that's the, fine. the title. But, um, uh, it's it's really fantastic. He gets to play that gritty, futuristic hero, uh, and it's 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 good stuff. That's it's always. Anything like that. Book of Eli, The Road, dystopian stuff, up my alley. So that's a good segue into our next uh, topic. Fallout 76 Wastelanders update is going to launch April 7th. We got a short trailer. Uh, it was only about a minute long. Snowpiercer. 
was the name of that. Film. Okay, I think I have seen stuff Still for that. Um, Solid flick. So, this is something we're excited about. I mean, we so me and you jumped back into Fallout seventy six when the nuclear winter update came. We yeah. enjoyed it for the most part. It definitely got me re energized a little bit. It was it was good. They they put in a bunch of stability fixes, which stability has always been an issue with Bethesda games, Fallout seventy six in particular. Oh yeah, um, they've continued to put out some more more stabilizing issues and things like that. Um, they've continued to address that in a good ways, um, but a lot of the problems that they've had with the franchise really taking off in a meaningful way for most people is the fact that uh, this is wholly multiplayer. There are no NPCs. Yeah. There's no actual quest givers. I mean, yeah, there are radiant quests and things like that. Like, there's pre-recordings and things that you find. But it's all self-generated quests. There's nobody to inter- interact with. There's no Correct. story really to play off of and get character interactions and meaningful Correct. dialogue the way that you would with any other Fallout Bethesda. 3, New Vegas, 4, Skyrim, anything and like that. When people talk about Fallout, some of the most memorable the most memorable things that people talk about are the NPCs, the characters yes. that, you, that are involved with that. And you don't get that when you're dealing with a random computer terminal or just holotapes that you're following around for NPCs that are just pre-recorded that you right. never get a chance to actually engage with. And that's part of what makes Bethesda games really great is that interaction that it plays out like an actual RPG. Because that's what this is. It's a, it's an MMO. Yeah. But there's, there's, no real, there's no real RPG element to it other than just right. you being so, on an adventure, but you don't get to interact with anybody in a meaningful social context the right. way most MM, MMOs or even just standard RPGs let you do. It's so odd because MMO is a, is, is a term that I, I want to use for it, but at the same time, only 24 people in a server. Uh, it has the It is like a pseudo-MMO almost. There's just not enough interactivity with other real players going on. Yeah, every once in a while you'll cross through somebody or you'll have, you know, you'll meet up with somebody or you'll run into somebody, something like that. But for the most part, through at least my playings, and, and you have to remember, when this game came out, I was this was probably my most anticipated game for 2018. Oh, I've been looking forward to we, this forever. I mean, we've played, when the game first came out, I was easily playing the game. Like, I would get home from work, stick the game in my console, and probably play it until I went to bed. So, I mean, easily four or five hours a night when it, when it originally released. I had a great time exploring, finding places that I recognized because I'm from I'm from the state. As soon as I kind of stopped doing that is when it all fell off the wagon. Yeah, because there there was there's no there's nothing to keep you engaged aside from you pushing your own yes. stories and yep. quests forward. Because there wasn't a random person to run up and give you a quest. Like, yeah, if you ran across something at a location that you happened to yes. be exploring, something would pop up, whether it was through a radio station or whatever. Yep. A note that you happened to look at or pick up. But the point is there's no real easy way to just pick up a thousand random quests the way you could in Skyrim or Fallout. Yes, or agreed. Um, so the fact that we're actually getting genuine NPCs to create new stories, and, and that's kind of... It almost looks like Bethesda is almost branding uh, the Wastelanders DLC as kind of a soft reboot. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. Because they're talking about it being a new beginning even in the trailer that they released uh, earlier this week. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it really reinvents itself. Um, yeah. Because there are going to have to be a lot of stability issues that are fixed. Oh, yeah. cease to be able to exist in a, yes. in a massive world like this. It, it um, is... The game itself... 
I mean, there's even when nuclear winter dropped, we were still having issues with things. The problem is, as soon as we played nuclear winter a couple times, we enjoyed what we did. It's a neat little game mode to add, mm -hmm. but when you go into the main story and you're playing the main story, which is not good, by the way, you I I cannot get into it. I can't keep myself invested, and and that's part of the problem with seventy six right now is when you go into that world, there's nothing that keeps you. I mean, what kept me there for the first probably twenty so hours that I played the game? I honestly don't know how much time I've got into it. What kept me there was the fact that everything around me is familiar currently. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's what kept me and you there. I always have people ask me. You know, should I get this game? Because I was one of the few people who, who in my circle of people I speak to other than you, who had the game. And I always told people, if you're from West Virginia, you'll love it for the first 15 hours. Yep. If you're not, you're probably going to struggle with it a little bit. So I'm excited to see we're adding NPCs. We're adding traditional chat boxes uh, like the Outer Worlds did and like Fallout 3 and New Vegas had. We're adding what seems like is hopefully going to be a good story. Hopefully there is a, a big chunk of meat there. I'm hoping, I'm praying that we don't get like a main story that lasts three or four hours and then a couple side quests. I, I'm hoping it is fleshed out with as long as they've been working on it and, and they've had it in development. I mean, we have to think. They announced this about this time last year. I've seen smaller things been made in, in a year. I mean, New Vegas was made in 18 months. So um, they can they can release something fully fleshed out. And I get it. They were working on Nuclear Winter. And I cannot remember the first DLC they did. Uh, Welcome to Appalachia, maybe. That may be it. I'm not sure. It was very tiny. It was only like one one main quest and some, some cosmetic stuff. Uh, so uh, that one I'm not sure about. But for the most part, this is the biggest thing they've done. And I think it is. It is going to be a soft reboot. Essentially what – kind of what Elder Scrolls Online does every time they release a big expansion. They essentially package that expansion in, name it that expansion, the Elder Scrolls Online, Elsewire or Morrowind, Skyrim, whatever they're doing. And then they kind of package everything else in with it. So you can get – like now what the new one is um, the Skyrim one. That's that's not out yet, correct? Or, correct. Yeah, it's, it's coming. So the old one was Elsewire. So I saw Elsewire sales where it essentially had the base game, all the DLC, and then the new Elsewire. And it was like 60 bucks. Yep. So I, I can imagine we'll expect something along that the lines of that. I mean, it, it seems like that is a good model for what ZeniMax Online has started. Bethesda's tied to them a little bit with what they do, so I can see them kind of taking the same, you know, business strategy and doing that with Fallout seventy six essentially. Yeah, I mean, if they if they don't learn from it and we don't see a major improvement from this, oh, this is it. This is the last chance. If Fallout, if they don't, if they don't do something decent with this, I don't think this has to blow anybody's socks off. But I no. think this has to be something to where I can turn my Xbox on, throw my game in, and play Fallout without, without, you know, hampering myself too much. Like you said, I shouldn't have to drive things myself, essentially. I should well, that's the other thing have is, things introduced to me and then want to continue those things based on the people I interact with in I the quest. I could continue playing. It, it wasn't necessarily that the story wasn't gripping for me. The problem was with the way that enemies scale... It scales to the point that when you're playing by yourself, depending on what quest line you're yes, choosing to I agree push with you. along, that is also a problem. You can't really continue on some of those quests, even though those are the ones that you want to engage in the way you could in a normal RPG through just standard leveling up and things like that. Because there are some creatures, public events, things like that that you have to have multiple people for if you're not a high enough level by yourself. Yeah, there were some public events that even you and I played through that it was just the two of us in an area we that struggled. should have been low level. 
Yes. But because a high level 123, 124 happened to enter the same area of the map that we were in, even though they were nowhere near us, it spawned high level Scorch Beasts that the two of us couldn't right. couldn't handle. So having NPCs and things like that, um, rebranding the way that they do quests and things, because unless you had multiple people to game with, there was no, nothing to really keep you gaming. Correct, yep. I agree. Lesser story, story modes and things like that. Having non-player characters to engage with will give you enough of a boost that until you can find a couple random guys that you can enjoy playing with online through a forum or whatever or a standard group that you can routinely play with without friends it's going to be something that's going to be enough hopefully to yeah. keep you gaming until your buddy gets on so that you're not already burnt out by right. the time he gets on you don't feel like playing anymore yeah. that's going to be the real thing Is it's got to be enough to keep you engaged while you're on your own yeah uh, another good question that I just, I just kind of thought of when you brought that up. We know when they introduced the vault raids, I think it was like six months ago, those are no longer a thing anymore. Those were level capped at like, you had to be like level 40, I think. So I don't know. I didn't participate in them because I wasn't a high enough level. Uh, now they don't exist. I'm curious if anything in this Wastelanders update is going to be level locked. I think I that, that would be a mistake on my part because I think there's going to be a lot. I'm telling you right now. April 7th is going to come out, and the game's going to crash immediately because all the people are trying to access it. I, I know that people, there's been an, enough people that said, okay, screw 76, we're never playing it, no matter what they release for it. When you get something like this that's going to introduce old-school Fallout, and I don't mean old-school Fallout like the kind that um, Black Isle used to release, I'm talking about like 3 in New Vegas. When you get stuff like that that's coming out, I think people have a craving for that, and I think you're going to see a lot of people who, truthfully, I mean, you can go out right now and buy the game for like 15 bucks. I mean, I'm sure you could do that at GameStop, find it used. I'm sure it's been on sale on Amazon before. Uh, I've seen it at Best Buy for like 10 bucks before. So I'm sure you could go out, buy the game for 10 bucks, access all this content. And I'm sure that's what is going to happen April 7th, April 8th, that, that first weekend. You're going to see a lot of new people and you're going to see a lot of old people. I mean, I'm going to be on day one and seeing what I can do yeah, with it. Yeah, I'll be in it. I mean, and the thing is, there's a lot of people who have been in it day one who have been free to play all the way yeah. and they're still having a great time with it. It's just a matter of, Keeping keeping your players engaged, especially the ones who aren't who don't necessarily have all the spare time to grind that stuff out solo. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of diehard gamers that are out there that are that will complain whether it's Bethesda or Call of Duty or any kind of franchise. They're always going to complain about the filthy casuals. You know, the guys that are just oh yeah playing on weekends. But the thing is, I used to be that guy. I used to be the competitive player. I used to get in there and, yep. and, and play to win, and I'd be in Xbox clans, and we'd do like online tournaments and whatever else. But now that I'm an adult and I have a family, I'm a filthy casual because I have no time right. to spend eight hours a day because yep. I've got, I got responsibilities and stuff now. Yeah. So it's not that I chose to be a casual, but it is nice to be able to not get completely screwed over in a multiplayer game. Simply because I don't have time to grind the way other people do. Right. My grind is longer, but it's because I have, my eight hours is spread out over three days instead of one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. That is the that is something about Fallout seventy six that impresses me to this day. The community is amazing. Oh, the uh, the toxicity I, is absolutely non existent from what I can see. Because which again that goes back to the whole because there are no NPCs to assist you and yeah, help you out. I mean. You're going to get those people for the most part. Everybody I mean, has you, to help each other. Yes, but you're going to get those people. I mean, I wouldn't say the toxicity is non-existent because you're going to get people like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, we, we know a couple months ago when the Fallout first thing started, it started a, a civil war 
I'm saying that in quotation marks because it, I mean, it realistically was. There was people who had the fallout first tag, which I think is just ridiculous on Bethesda's part. That's, that is just dumb. Yeah, it really did introduce the pay to, the, the pay to win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That they swore at E3 when they announced it was not going to happen. But, I mean, when you introduce all the repair kits yeah. and all the extra storage space for items, things like that, the, I could there's tell... just no way that that could reasonably be seen by anybody who played it as not pay to win. Agreed. I, I saw from the first weekend we had the game, and I, 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 I'll be honest, when that game first came out, I bought the Power Armor Edition, so I already had $200 sunk into it. Yep. I Same. immediately planned, and I, I mean immediately, I planned on shelling out 20, 40 bucks for the for the atomic shop. Yep. The problem is I didn't do that because the atomic shop sucked at the time. And I immediately thought if they don't get this if they don't get their stuff together, this game's not going to make money. And I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened because that's the only reason. If that atomic shop was doing well, you wouldn't have to introduce repair kits. You wouldn't have to introduce the um uh, the time savers they've got. You wouldn't have to introduce the things in in Fallout first. The reason that they introduced things like that is because either they're not making enough money or they're making way too much money and people are buying the stuff in the atomic shop left and right. And I don't think that's happening. No, I think they're either learning the wrong lesson or they haven't learned anything yet. Uh, so I'm really curious to see if Wastelanders, if it is a soft reboot, if they're going to learn to kind of move away from that monetization standard that they've built them, that they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into at this point. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to scale back the subscription-based plans for no. first, but I think maybe with the ideas of... Because, like they've said, most of the stuff that's in the Atomic Shop, <coughs> you can find in the game. You just have to take the time to find the schematics and figure out where it is. And sure enough, Google, YouTube, whatever, Reddit, there's threads, there's forums, there's videos out there that if you want to find something hard enough, you can find it within 10 seconds. You'd have to take 20 minutes to trek there in the game. Or unlock the fast travel and, and figure out how to get there. Um, the only thing you can't really do with that is the repair kits. You can't really find a right. way to do those in-game. Um, and you don't get the additional four to 600 storage that you get right. with the subscription. Yep. Private servers too. Which I've always thing. felt that that's a... Bit of, and that's the other thing. If you can get a private server with NPCs... Yeah, that's big. That is true Huge. solo... Fallout game. Yep. Right there. Because it's just you and NPCs and enemies and nothing else. Yep. And you only get other people in, like your best buddy, if you invite them in. Not not yeah. for other random people. And, and I'll be honest. Either grief you or steal stuff. And That's I, the no, way they should have went. And Yeah, that's fantastic. That's the way they should have went with this game. It should have been again, private world. I can invite prices, four people in. The subscription prices that they have, I shouldn't have to pay $100 a year. Agreed. I, I completely agree with that. you. That should be a free option. I completely agree with you. Or at I least, think at least something akin to like five dollars a month. Because I mean, even RuneScape's base intro for oh my god, pay to win about that game way back in the day. <laughs> I mean, because that's the thing is base subscription for almost any online MMO five is five bucks. bucks a month, something like that. Yeah, I, I uh, well, because remember when and you at least got the basic yeah upgrades for things like at least an expanded because when shop. Elder Scrolls Online re released there was a subscription price to pay for the Xbox One version yeah, and that's why I skipped out on it originally I got Same. it for Christmas like a year or two later because they finally dropped the subscription price yeah it's free to play now yeah and then you buy in for the DLC yeah you can always buy DLC you can always buy the crowns they do have a 
they do have like a uh, uh, like an Elder Scrolls Online first program. I don't remember the name of it, but you get like the crowns every month, like you do the Adams and Fallout. So I I don't necessarily think back to the monetization point. I don't think any more monetization will be added. Right. I'm just hoping it got, got kind of goes the way that we've seen with Modern Warfare retooling its Battle Pass, the way we've seen Red Dead Online with its Outlaw Pass. I'm shocked, way, Fallout. And the way that we've seen didn't do a Battle Pass. Well, that's the thing is with the way that they're branding everything as cosmetic, which is kind of the way that Call of Duty's done it. It's weapon skins, it's character skins, it's not really anything that's uniquely new or, or different. I mean, there's premium currency that's involved with it right. that lets you earn a new battle pass. So once you drop that original 20, 30, 40 bucks, you get it right back in game in premium yeah. currency as long as you complete it before the day runs out, then it expires. Yeah, I... Which is mostly easy to do for most of these games, even Fortnite. It's the same oh, way. Yeah. You earn the premium currency back yep. as long as you dip the money into it and you dip the time into it. So to see a game like Fallout 76 not really adapt that kind of strategy for a game that is so uniquely similar in the way that it approaches its add-on content for stuff that is available in the game in yep. another way, whereas most of these other ones, it, you don't have that option. My only thought to why they it's, wouldn't it's do a Battle Pass... It's just to me. Because that would give the free-to-play players who don't want Agreed. to pay for a subscription, a way to buy in a yes. little bit. I think the only reason they wouldn't do that, the only reason I can think of off the top of my head anyway, is that they the developers just don't have the time to push out content like that. I mean, that's fair, but I mean, even Rockstar only puts out their battle, their their outlaw pass, it lasts for like three months. And then it goes right. Away I think an, that's and normal. And then it goes away for another three months while they. Oh, wait. so they don't do a consecutive. Like Fortnite does a battle pass, Correct. and then they immediately do another battle no, pass. No, Rockstar's uh, is yep. a three months, and then it waits another three months. Yes, yeah, their last one it started in October, I believe, and it ran until late November, early December, and then it disappeared, and then gotcha. for about a month, two months almost, and then it just recently came out this past. I'm just curious. So the only reason I think they wouldn't have time is just because I think there they is, are... There is a space there. I think they're so... I mean, obviously, they've got issues with stability. They've got issues with new content. They've got issues with keeping the content they've got now running still. They've got issues with hacks, game-breaking bugs, things like that. I, that's my only thing. That's my only reason why I think they are... They don't want to give you anything where it's like a battle pass where you're getting content consistently yeah where it's like a drip feed exactly because i think you have to keep it like eventually even if you do say so even if you do do one of those every six months i mean you have to do you have to do a whole new battle pass twice a year and in between in between your dlcs that's coming out because they're doing those it's not they're not gonna not do those in between your bug fixes in between your fixing making sure people are not hacking the game and making sure things are running smoothly especially when you incorporate things in the battle pass I just don't know if they have time to do that. Now, that may be something that we see later on in the future. No, I'm not I mean, saying they'll never do it. That's um, fair. I mean, these are kind of the same arguments and problems that people have had with Destiny 1 and 2, is that it's a lot the same thing. And again, this is their first foray. This is very much a Destiny 1 situation where these guys haven't really done anything similar to this before, and they don't have the help of a secondary company the Correct. way that Bungie did with Activision's program. Correct. I mean, this is just on them. Yeah, I mean, but they've got the Bethesda Austin Studios running it for the most part, and I, at this point, I'd like to, I'd, or I want to believe that the Bethesda Maryland studio is all hands on Starfield at this point. I don't think they're doing, I don't think Todd Howard's group is doing anything other than maybe overseeing some things, just making sure some things are 
or going the right way. The development wise, I don't think they're working on seventy six at all. I think it's all Bethesda Austin, and so that's why that's why also real quick when we talk about like the future of Bethesda and that we're worried about things stability wise. I don't think we have anything to worry about because I think it's two separate teams. No, and, and this and this was an experiment to begin with. Yes, they absolutely. Knew this was a long shot. That's why Fallout seventy six is so non canon. It's just meant to be a fun little entry yes. side project that's there for, for you to just explore the universe. That's why so many random things that aren't canonically there, like Brotherhood of Steel, existing before it's supposed to yes. on the East Coast. You got super mutants that exist twenty five years for the FEV virus is supposed to even be released yep. into the wild outside of, you know, the West. There's all kinds of random, just non canony things that are. Yep. It's fun to just explore and play with those factions because they are favorite factions and enemies. Oh yeah. That are standard of the Fallout franchise, and it's just meant to exist. Yes. It's just meant to be a neat reference to previous games like Fallout 3 where Vault 76 was mentioned and kind of hyped up to begin with where there are some lore contents that allude to it between there and Fallout 4. Right. Um, it, it's just meant to be a neat entry, a side project, something that's kind of more akin to the Marvel What If series. It doesn't actually affect anything in the actual canon. It's just a fun little thing that's supposed to be able to get in there. Right. The problem is not a lot of your diehard Fallout fans are still having fun with it. Right. So I think... Wastelanders is going to be a good, a good step in the right direction. Agreed. Um, I don't necessarily know that it'll be the end-all, fix-all that is going to bring a whole lot of people back, but it will probably be a good step in the right direction that people will be more acceptable Agreed. what they're doing. Uh, I agree with you, yeah. It, it's definitely a right, it's step in the right direction. Uh, people are going to flock to it, and if it's decent content, I think that it'll be a... A plus for Bethesda. If they can get it to run smoothly, as long as nothing goes wrong on the first day, I think people will be happy with it, and I think we'll eventually get something else. Um, something funny that I was thinking about uh, that I've seen a couple times, too. Um, can you imagine how funny it would be? Okay, so a little technical hiccup there. Sorry about that. What we were getting ready to talk about, uh, if Obsidian dropped their Outer Worlds DLC on the 7th of April, uh, we already know that there is a bit of... I don't want to say bad blood, but there's definitely some tension there. The people who are working on Outer Worlds and Obsidian are some of the original creators of the Fallout series. You now have Bethesda, who has the license. We They took a jab at them in their reveal trailer uh, with the original makers of the Fallout series and then came out with their, uh, you know, the first true RPG we've seen in a while. So I just think that would be a little humorous. Uh, we know the DLC's coming. We haven't heard anything about it yet. Uh, I imagine we'll hear something about it soon. So that'll be something to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be humorous. It'll definitely be a, a, a kind of a, a cheeky little aside, and it wouldn't necessarily be completely out of character for him, like you said. Um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily see see them doing something that's quite so blatantly a giant slap in the face. Like they're not going to go out and say, "Hey, you want some real DLC? Come to Outer Worlds." True. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of NPCs, you're supposed to. You're you're, you're not wrong. something that blatant. You're not. But wrong. I mean, it would it, be it make me chuckle. But it would be to see something that is very much anticipated as to something that and isn't necessarily wholly necessary to the game to be enjoyable. As opposed to something that everybody has been clamoring for since since launch. Agreed. So yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Fallout, Fallout seventy six to kind of put a put a pin on it is looking to be pretty promising. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what actually drops to see whether or not it turns out to be true, because uh, we have been sold that gift horse before. True. Um, but yeah, we're we're hopeful, but 
cautious. Yeah. I think that's the best way to best way. Yeah, to yeah, yeah absolutely. Hopeful but cautious. Um, it, like we said, step in the right direction. We think as long as everything kind of runs smoothly, which is asking a lot of this game. I believe they. I believe they know that this is their final chance. If this doesn't go well, Fallout seventy six is in a lot of trouble. Speaking of trouble uh, and franchises and, and studios, and video games be, in general, uh, really, that, that may be <laughs> facing a bit of a hiccup moving forward. Um, it was recently announced in the past couple of days that one of the co-founders, one of the Hauser brothers, yes, uh, has decided to step away from Rockstar. And yep. the reason that this particular Hauser Brothers... I mean, that's that's the whole thing about Rockstar. It's always been the Hauser Brothers. Like, these yep. are the main creative guys. Like, they don't just run the company. They didn't just found the company. Yep. These guys were instrumentally important down to the very fiber and core of the stories for most of the Grand Theft Auto franchises, yeah. for Red Dead, for Red Dead 2, which everybody knows by this point, Red Dead and Red Dead 2 are critically acclaimed games. They're fantastic. I mean, even Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5's storylines were raved about across yeah. the boards with what they did for video games. Uh, so these guys really, really amped up uh, what these these open-world, sandboxy kind of uh, story games could be, uh, and even for what they've done for online gaming. Um, to have him, one of the in- instrumental people in, in the industry, step away at this point from such a successful company yeah. kind of leads one to wonder what is going on at Rockstar, what's necessarily going on for him, is he going to go and start out some sort of his own company yeah. outside of Rockstar, is that going to be something that's even in the game, because we know it's not an immediate departure, he said he's not going to leave until, I think it was March? So, uh, I believe you're right, he, he, he has been on an extended leave of absence since about the time Red Dead 2 was finished, uh, he's... So Dan Hauser has been on the writing team of every Rockstar game since, I want to say, Grand Theft Auto 3. Uh, I may be incorrect on that, folks. I'll have to double check. Um, I believe that's what I heard the other day. So, I mean, he's been a writer on Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto 4, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Grand Theft Auto 6. And I do believe he was a writer for Bully as well. So, I mean... You look at a you look at those games and you look how great the stories were for those games for the most part, and then I mean I know it, one guy doesn't make your team essentially. No, absolutely not. But I mean, but he's definitely an instrumental, a huge instrumental piece to to what's going on there, and it also makes me question, you know, if he's leaving, what does the culture change a little bit? We obviously know that Rockstar had a big issue with Crunch right before the Red Dead Redemption Two. Game launched. We also know that there was talks of crunch after GTA 6 launch or GTA 5 launched. I'm sorry, GTA 6 is not a thing yet, folks. I know nothing. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that's something that you want to pay attention to. Is that something that's going to return now? Uh, is it going to get a little bit you know, worse now that he's leaving as well? The other question is, is, uh, is Take 2 the reason, you know, are they pushing him out essentially because... They want to get more out of their games. Like, is I mean, GTA Online is a huge, and I, when I say huge, folks, I don't think we understand. I don't think you understand. GTA Five released in what twenty thirteen? Yeah, and it's it, still a GTA Five is still a top ten selling game almost every single month. Almost top. It's five. it's been twenty seventeen, or it's it's been seven years since this game released, and it's still top ten. Top. 10, that's top five in some. Industries. That's crazy. That's insane, and it's all because of GTA Online. 
so I think you when you get obviously when you get these publishers, you see things like that. Take two, they're obviously going to push more towards something like that. Obviously, Red Dead Redemption online is not the same thing. It, no. Because it's just a different... No, and it's a different atmosphere yeah, completely. It's hard to do diff- something like that. They're approaching it very differently, too. Because Correct. Because with Grand Theft... With GTA Online, they dumped a whole lot of content in real fast, real yes. heavy. And there's still content coming out like crazy every couple of weeks. Whether yep. it's an updated game mode or with uh, the ability to build your own multiplayer uh, playlist and maps and game modes... I mean, that was a really great thing for people to be able to do without having to mod the game. That was fantastic for, for replayability there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, they're taking a different approach to that with more smaller, meaningful, incremental DLC and drip feed content yeah. and things like that. Because they, they do want to keep those, those worlds very different, very separate, and they want them to be very distinct. Um, because one is supposed to be the Old West, which things moved slower back then, compared yeah. to... The world of instant gratification that is modern day LA analog, right. which is GTA Online. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think the real question is since we haven't really heard anything, and like we said, he's been on sort of this extended hiatus for a while, what does it mean? Is it something that's personal issues? Is it him having to step away from the company? Is he stepping away to go form another company? Like what, yeah. like what happened over with Respawn's former executives? I mean, there's a or, lot of questions going on right now. That's just the real question is what does it mean for Rockstar? What does it mean for these franchises like Red Dead and GTA, especially with what may be GTA 6 looming in the future that people right. have had rumors and murmurs about for a while now, but nothing's ever been pinned down? Is it related to GTA 6? I mean, there's just a lot of unanswered questions, but the only thing that really isn't to be answered is that Dan Hauser's going to be missed. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, I mean, like you said, he is someone who who co-founded Rockstar with his brother. Uh, I think he is recognized across the industry. He's very revered. He is somebody that, you know, was very respected. I, I think it is, it is, I mean, it's never a good thing when people like that leave, whether it's because of retirement or because they were forced out or because they're going to do their own thing or it's because they just need a break. Uh, so, I mean, it's definitely something that uh, it will affect Rockstar. Um, like we said, it's still only one person. Uh, it's nice that he's got some family there still. I mean, his brother is still there. Um, so I, I think you'll get a little bit of his DNA left in some things, and literally it- and figuratively. Um <laughs> But I, I mean, I hope not literally. Well, <laughs> but I just think uh, I, I, I just think him him being attached like that still. I mean, he, for the most part, I mean, he could he could still keep tabs on things going on. Yeah, he I mean, he could still to... offer insight on some things, uh, you know, under the table. So I think him leaving is a big deal. I, I don't think it's something that's going to you know it's derail not Rockstar. Rockstar. Yeah, no, it's not going to be the end of Rockstar. I'm I'm just curious as to how much is going to hiccup things that are already in development that he is. In- that oh yeah, is it, playing an active part in or has been playing an active part in. That's probably why he's taking the taking the time for the next month or so uh, to let February finish out. Yeah, uh, as opposed to just being like, "Hey guys, at the end of two weeks, I'm gone." Um, which again, because he is such a high figure in in the industry, in in that company, 
it's going to give him a lot of time to figure out who his successor, who's going to fill that role. Yeah. His responsibilities are going to be doled out. Yeah, I mean, it's never a good thing when someone leaves in the middle of a project either. And that, but that, oh, I mean, that is almost always going to happen in the gaming industry because there just seems to be. I mean, Rockstar probably has two or three things lined up and they're overlapping a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there so. are so many projects that so many companies are working on all the time. It's going to be hard for something not to be impacted by somebody leaving a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, I don't think it's the end of Rockstar. I think they've got a lot going on. Um, they'll obviously come through some things, and we'll see what they do in the future. But I wouldn't be too concerned about what they've got going on, essentially. Uh, so let's kick it to our last bit of news. This is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. There's not a ton going on, but like we said, we want to talk about the future a little bit more. Uh, let's talk about some Marvel stuff. So as we alluded to last week, we just assumed we were going to get a little bit of a a teaser. Um, our little bit, yeah, Paul. We Bettany. got a lot of teasers, <laughs> bud. Paul Bettany was right when he looked at his watch. I was right when I said we're probably looking at big game reveals. We got a lot of good stuff out of it. I mean, True. we got we got a we got a pretty solid advanced look at Wandavision. Yep. Uh, in terms of a trailer and what we what we're really expecting from it, we're getting. Some Leave it to Beaver vibes. We're getting some 90s Full House-ish kind of vibes. We've got some classic, like, it looked like a uh, a Scarlet Witch Halloween costume from, like, a prop store that you go to, like, Walmart kids' Halloween suit where she got the classic, yep. you know, M mantle on the head with, with the little tie cape yep. with the little thread around the front. So it looked a little cheesy. It's probably a little Halloween episode or something tied in with that. Um, but we got to see Vision in classic yep. plaid shirt from the 80s, from the, the Vision family series that took off in 82 when him and Scarlet Witch kind of retired from the West Coast Avengers to start a family in which we also see her being pregnant in one scene. And in the next, there's twi- there's two cribs with the, the pacifiers flying up into the air and the two of them looking shocked and concerned, um, which anybody who's paid any kind of close attention to that knows that that's going to be their twin sons, uh, William and Thomas, who become later uh, some young Avengers of very high popularity, Wiccan and Speed, uh, who one is a very powerful magic user and the other is, well, <laughs> the name right. implies it all. He's a pretty good speedster, which, um, is, which is another way of continuing that legacy of Pietro. I was going to say, I am curious. Keeping twins in the family. It, so in the comics, is it, Pietro doesn't die in the comics, correct? No, no. So I mean, nobody really... I am curious that in the MCU, MCU if really they change... If they change one of the names of the twins to Pietro to kind of honor, they could, I guess or just see, Peter. It's just yeah, it's just something I can see happening, just because that just seems very yeah. That's kind of what we do in movies um, nowadays. We honor. I mean, this is how we. And the we other do thing things. is that this is kind of inverted because in that series, Vision is still very much alive. Vision is dead in the MCU. True. Um, we also so, as things kind of push on in that storyline continuity, basically. Vision is decommissioned by the U.S. government, stripped of all his humanity, just destroyed. Uh, the twins are taken from Wanda, and basically she is just left bereft with nothing. Um, so her whole world kind of collapses in on herself, and with that she literally goes insane, which ultimately leads to that iconic line and what led to the House of M storyline, which was No More Mutants, in which her grief literally wiped out all mutants from existence and created an alternate timeline where there were no mutants. Um, So this is almost an inverse on that. I'm thinking with the storyline where she's gone into so much grief that she's created this alternate reality. That's kind of what I'm thinking it is Um, as well. So most likely we won't get to see Wiccan and Speed anywhere outside of probably... 
Multiverse of Madness, if even. Yeah. Uh, and that might be there in, uh, coming in as well, between them or the possible introduction of America Chavez bringing other characters right. through time portals with her. Because um, we know Wanda is going to be included in yes. Multiverse of Madness. And I have we to know that one of the alternate dimensions that is mentioned and is known is the dream dimension. Um, which, if Wanda's manipulation of thoughts, deepest, darkest wishes, and dreams, if her ability, her psychic ability, has created this alternate reality for herself, uh, it's very possible that that isn't necessarily of her own creation. She might just be living and dwelling within the dream right. realm that she's forced herself in there, and then Doctor Strange might just happen upon her and kind of pull her out of her grief and, and kind of push her yeah. back on, on the... On I would the be shocked if WandaVision doesn't... Because I have to imagine but it's going to be... But there are a lot, be... of good, lot of good Easter eggs in, in classic uh, 80s, 90s, yeah. uh, WandaVision uh, vibes and, and nifty little things like that. Um, yeah. I, I have to imagine that WandaVision is going to fit into Doctor Strange 2 somehow. I, I can't imagine... I imagine we're going to get something similar to Mandalorian in structure. So eight to ten episodes, maybe twelve if we're if they're feeling ambitious, and then at the end of that we get like a post. I, I say post credit in quotes, but we get like a we get a you know precursor scene to what's going to happen in, in Doctor Strange two. Essentially, I can imagine that's the way they're going to set things up. Yeah, for the, the most part. The only thing is, it's going to be very different because from the very different aesthetics and vibes that we saw from the trailer, things seem to kind of jump and skip around quite a lot. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be a linear story, if it's going to be something that's more Witcher-esque where there's competing timelines within the narrative, or if it's just going to be like, okay, every episode is something different, some sort of like Groundhog Day-esque loop of just Scarlet Witch waking up, going through some sort of family drama, going to sleep, waking up something completely different. Right. I mean, we just don't know what to expect. Kevin Feige's even said this series is going to be something unlike anybody's ever seen before. It's going to be a mix of comedy. It's going to be a mix of horror. It's going to be a whole kinds of stuff. Which, I mean, if the end is eventually what everybody believes it to be from the comics, which is her entire reality that she's constructed for herself is ripped apart, she loses vision a second time, well, technically third time, because he died twice in Infinity War. Right. Um, once at Thanos' hand and once at hers. Um if she loses him a third time and then loses these twins, is that going to push us into a House of M scenario where yeah, that really kind of kicks off Multiverse of Madness where she basically starts tearing reality apart and is that really how the MCU ties in Doctor Strange to this universe is because Wanda's literally started tearing realities apart. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I can I mean, see something like that happening. That would be a really cool thing. That's kind of my own personal theory. Right. Um... And I'm, I'm just really curious to see where it goes because, like I said, we got a lot of really good looks at, at things that are going yeah. on there. And we've had a lot of weird reports. We know that casting and stuff was was an, had been announced for uh, Loki. We got a very quick six-second look. Yeah, very. At, at and that's still a couple... That's still a ways there off. There are so. scripts that are rumored to be written. There are ones that haven't been written. And who's to say that it's not just test footage that they've done from things that they've done right. already from casting calls with other people. All we got was him in a very Heath Ledger Joker-ish, um, him sitting there in, in a time in a, uh, a time variance authorities uh, uh, jumpsuit because he is wearing a prison jumpsuit. Yep. That TVA logo is the time variance authority. They are time cops. They're, right. They are basically if anybody is a kid, uh, familiar with DC's Legends of Tomorrow, that whole franchise is about superheroes and. You basically up. go back and fix things that supervillains have tried to alter time. 
these guys are basically Marvel's version of that. But they're not superheroes in their own rights. They're just standard time police. Their job is to go back and make sure nobody fucks with the timeline. Barring the language. But basically, a good way of introducing this is basically, you know, had the actual Avengers in Endgame actually altered things more than they did or tried to leave yeah. things undone, TVA would have been after all of them. Um, yeah. And we know that with Loki going about and hopping between different time frames and trying to actually alter things on his own makes a lot of sense this these are going to kind of be the big bad for him. Um, they, yeah, they have said that Loki is after Endgame too. So yeah. it, it is confirmed to take place after Endgame now. Yeah, it's um, going to be the Loki that that stole the test yes. in yep. in the in the alternate uh universe where where Which Tony, I kind of like cuz he's still it. he's still, you know, It's a Loki. It's not the Loki. Yeah, the Loki that we're all yeah, familiar he's, with he's, he's definitely dead. He's dead as I This alternate out timeline Loki is still very yes. much around. Yes, so it is definitely cool. Cool to see him um, before he kind of turned over new leaf. Uh, I yeah, mean, at this that, is still full. Villain I mean, yeah, we have to think at that time he was he was captured at the Battle of New York, and he's still still scorned. Yeah, still I mean, he's very still angry. Still that irritated. He lost. Yes, so I mean, definitely, he's still technically a villain, which I I enjoy a little bit more. I think I think it'll yeah. give us a little bit better of a show. Um, we don't have a release date for that. We just know it's 2021. I believe it's early spring. I think it's spring 2021. That's the time slot we're looking at. Um, um, with the other ones, we do know that Falcon Winter Soldier is coming out in August. God, that looks good. Mandalorian uh, is going to be in October, and WandaVision is going to be in December. So you're going to get probably a little bit of overlap. We do know that Falcon Winter Soldier is only six episodes. Yep. And I would imagine that WandaVision is going to be, like I said, it's going to be between like six to 12 in my, I mean, that's just what I'm assuming. I'm thinking it's probably going to be a little longer. It's probably going to be eight, just to get okay, a couple so, yeah. extra episodes. So, I mean, since, you're s- it, since it is supposed to be the hard tie-in to the next big right. film that isn't Black Widow's, and supposed to be the next big film that pushes things forward, that is Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Since we know that she is already supposed to reprise her role in some capacity in that film, um, it makes sense that that episode is a little that that series is a little longer than Winter Soldier. Yep. Um, which is. As far as we know, it's going to be connected to things that move forward, but it's still going to be its own unique thing that's not wholly connected to anything at this point. Right. Um, that doesn't mean there won't be connections or tie-ins or things that we get to see moving forward. Um, but for the most part, it will exist on its own. It's not really meant to set anything new right. up, as far as we know. We'll get mentions, of course, from things that happen in that series, for the most part, we believe. But, uh, yeah, we, we, but know, yeah with, we know that's not tied to... being something that has been very vocally... A kickoff of this whole MCU tied into Disney Plus. Right. Um, I s- expect that to be a little longer of a franchise, just so they can still do the series justice and kind of uh, push things off. So I'm curious if if any of the three, so Falcon Winter Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, do you think any of them are going to become legitimate series on Disney Plus? I think the I think I mean they're all. Series in their own right. So, I mean, do you think they're going to get another season? That's that's my question. Do you think they get a season two? I mean, there have been rumors that have been surfacing for a couple of weeks now that supposedly Loki, even though they haven't gotten a full script and they still don't have a full cast, has already been renewed for season two. That's the one... I don't really know that I buy that. I I don't Um, know if I buy it either, but that's the one out of the three so far is the one that I could say, yeah, okay, we could do another season of this because I feel like it's a little more disjoint. It'll be its own thing more so than... Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, we've kind of gotten hints from Sebastian Stan that... I don't know if... I think Falcon and Winter Soldier stands to be the best option for that because these are side characters who everybody really possible kinda as well. enjoys. 
and with them being more grounded people, they're kind of more Tony Stark-esque, but their ability to impact a larger world is more limited when it's just the two of them because it's just two guys with gadgets. Small gadgets, not really a full-on suit. Right. That it's much easier for them to do smaller focused stories, a la Green Arrow or Batman, that they're much more grounded. It's not something that's going to be massive world-saving. So it's easier for them to get more stories, more seasons out of those two characters than it is any of the others that have been proposed. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I agree with you. I think that they're going to be, they're going to be the ones that the Falcon Winter Soldier is definitely going to be the one that absolutely could because they have side characters. I just think Loki has a good opportunity because he's going to be so removed from what's going on. In my opinion, I, he could show up in Multiverse of Madness, but outside of that, I don't think he's going to be really a film character anymore. Uh, so let's uh, take a second. We're going to go over our next subject here in a second, and that's going to be some director news, and then we'll finish up with some things, and that'll pretty much be the show for tonight. Okay, so for our last topic, uh, we are going to go over Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit more, just because we didn't go over a whole lot of that. And I also want to talk about the rumor of Sam Raimi directing Doctor Strange 2. So Falcon and Winter Soldier, we did get a really good look at that, actually. I Fantastic. think that was... It looks... It looks oh, good. I'm so excited. It looks really good. Uh, it, obviously, honestly, everything we got was kind of short. We only got small 30-second snippets of everything except for Loki. That was more like, like a six-second snippet. That's what you said. Which, again, it has the least going for it right now. So the True, just so far the off. The we even saw anything. Agreed. I didn't think we were going to see anything Loki. I thought it was all going to be Falcon, Winter Soldier, or WandaVision. It's much more akin to how we got that sneak peek of the test footage from Deadpool that was the highway fight scene that, yes. opened, the, that opened the film, yep. the first film. Everybody thought, oh, no, that's fake. There's no way that can actually be a thing. And then it was the very first, like, two minutes of the film. Right. Um, and it ended up being very early test footage of what was going on. I think that's very much something similar to what we're seeing here with yeah. that Loki footage. We got a good look of uh, Falcon throwing the shield. Oh, I had which, goosebumps. Which was awesome. I was, he just yeeted that thing. It we was got, just, oh, it was so good. We got a good look of uh, Bucky Barnes and uh, Zemo yeah, they without came, the mask. They came face to face, presumably yep. based on how that scene was cut, I'm assuming, since we don't really know if it's two whole scenes. We know that there's for sure a moment where Bucky is standing with a pistol pointed at, um, at, at Zemo, mm -hmm. and then it cuts to, you know, all the... the the discarded bullets being yes. dropped out of hand. So we don't really know if if that's him, if that's somebody else. We also... Um, but they get to finally come back face-to-face -face yeah. and clash, uh, which is something that has been brewing since yeah. the Civil War. We also got a good look at, and remind me of his name... Um, U.S. Agent. U.S. Agent. Uh, uh, we got a good look at him. It looked like he was walking almost out into like a stadium. A Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. Um, to premiere during the Super Bowl. I mean, how much? I mean, so we we be? know we know he is going to take up the Captain America mantle for at least some time during the series. Yeah, he's he's not necessarily Captain America. Right. Uh, so Sam still has the he still has Cap Shield. He is the new Captain America as designated by, by Steve Rogers. Yes, but uh, not by the U.S. government essentially. Right. Uh, U.S. agent is basically the U.S. government's personal designation for their Captain America right. replacement, uh, and and that's true to the comics as well. He's kind of yeah. the guy that that the U.S. government put out there when Cap went on ice. They wanted to have that appearance that Captain America was still out there and not missing an action. Right. 
Um, so the idea of keeping him around, having somebody out there to protect America that's still wearing uh, some sort of star-spangled uniform, which the uniform looks great. There's some people that have issues with the, the A in the corner. No, I, I uh, thought it looked really good, the, yeah. It's part of the shield strap. It's not actually part of the uniform underneath. Gotcha. So the fact that the straps are part of the uniform design, is, a, is it is a little wonky, I'll give people that, but the suit looks amazing. Yeah, I thought because the design the, looked good, actually. Because yeah. the star is actually the A, with yeah, the, the yeah, I did catch that the first the time same, I saw it. Yep, it's the same print on the on the helmet, but there aren't wings on the side. Right. Um, but it is it is a very unique design. It is more that grounded uh, costume. It's yeah. Very much. Um, it it very much more resembles that um, the stealth suit that we saw. Yes. From, yeah. Absolutely. Um, little little bit darker tones. It's not quite as. You know, brightening your right. face. and he is U.S. agent. He he is he is more of a government operative. Operates a lot more with uh, CIA than actual right. uh, DOD and military. Uh, and he is former U.S. Special Forces, uh, so he is still active military. So he's more, one of your Green Beret types who does now the does behind the scenes. He have Super Soldier Serum of any kind in the um, comics. He he has a version of it, which is imperfect. Right, uh, it's yet to be seen whether or not they will have that okay. in this film. I mean, I know they since we know that they're piggybacking off of what started with the Hulk film, the original Hulk film that's tied into the original MCU, that whole premise of that film with Abomination and stuff was they were trying to recreate yeah. the project Rebirth Serum. We know that with what happened um, with Bucky's being invented, that Hydra was trying to reproduce it as right. well in World War II. We know the Russians were partially successful with their Winter Soldier project that they were able to create super soldiers, um, but it did have those um, psychosis right. problems, which is also something that we see in the comics, that John Walker's uh, serum that he has, it doesn't necessarily leave him all there together right. uh, mentally either. Uh, but he is very much a, whatever the government says, is what the best thing is. It's very much not, cap. it's not... The Captain America that everybody is known right. and loves. He's not Cap who's, okay, the best thing is personal liberties, personal freedoms, the, the very morality that America was built around, that, that personal freedom is what we need to fight for. Right. It's very much, if the government tries to stamp, st st step on freedom, I'm going to be there to fight up against them, and that's what we saw with Civil War. This is very much the opposite of that. This is very much the opposite of what Erksine originally told Steve to be. He said, I want you to promise me you'll always be a good man, not just a good soldier. Right. Um, this guy is definitely the good soldier and not necessarily the good man. Um, which goes, goes back to one of my professors in college. Um, since we know he has ties to CIA, um, and that's how U.S. agent pretty much operates, is he does sort of the, the, the shady, uh, more grisly things that Captain America necessarily wouldn't do. He makes those dark and bad decisions. Cap would never leave a man behind, the whole Sokovia nonsense. U.S. agent definitely would have voted to drop that city. Right. There there would have been no matter... Yeah. It, a handful of people dying so that everybody else doesn't have to. Yeah, he'd make right. that call in an instant. Cap still would try to save everybody. So it's definitely going to be interesting. So, I mean, obviously Zemo is your, is your villain of the show, I would yeah, have to imagine. and I think that the... I think he's going to be the main villain. And I think... I think so, too. I think with the head games that we saw him play in Civil War... Uh, to break the Avengers apart is going to be very much um, the main kind of head games that we get to see him play with U.S. Agent. I think he's going to be the guy that basically puts him on that that path that basically says, 
yeah, you believe the government is great, but they're also screwing you over. And look at all these things that they're lying to you about. And he's basically going to turn U.S. agent into a villain. Yeah, I can turn. I, I think, can see that happening. I, I think very he's going to be able to manipulate him in, in a good enough way that it's going to make sense to him. Do that. I, I think that's going to be the real villain reveal is that he's going to be the one that molds U.S. agent and breaks. Him oh yeah, I can see that happening. From being the good guy Absolutely. he believes himself to be to being full out bad guy. Um, remind me real quick, just because it's been a while. What happened to Strucker? Strucker's dead. He died in yeah, Ultron, Ultron. Killed him. That's right. He did. Wrote his blood. That's right. That was. Yeah. That was. Strucker's gone. That's right. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen Age of Ultron. So, um, all right. Well, I, I, I'm definitely excited for Falcon Winter Soldier. It is going to be the first series Which we get sad. in August. I, I like Strucker. He's uh, one of yeah. my more favorite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hybrid um, villains. But that is going to be the the first Disney Plus series this year that we get. It's coming out in August. Yep. I would bet it's going to be probably early August. I think it's the seventh or eighth. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to because they did put hard dates out uh, that I saw. Gotcha, because that'll give it time to get that finished, and then Mandalorian will come out in early October, and then we'll get WandaVision early December, and by that time, Mandalorian should be finishing up at least, so there won't be too much overlap at that. At that yep, point. there's a, there's a lot of good Disney Plus content. Oh yeah, absolutely. Star Wars, you guys starting in. In, in August, we'll have plenty of stuff to... Absolutely. And I think it'll just keep rolling after that, too. I think we're just going to get a non-stop stuff for the most part after that. It'll always Probably, kind of be Probably, because once new. all those films wrap in December, we know Black... I mean, Black Widow's already coming out this month. We got Eternals. Thor, Love, and Thunder, and Eternals, and yep. stuff like that that's rolling Doctor out Strange in too as well. fall and spring. So, yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi is also coming out that February, next February. So, a lot of, lot of good stuff. Um, let's let's close up with the, the rumor of the, the week. That Sam Raimi may be directing Doctor Strange 2. How do you feel about this? I mean... I mean, obviously, his original Spider-Man trilogy is still the only Spider-Man trilogy that exists. We know that you know, Spider-Man 3 is being worked on uh, with, with Tom Holland, but you know, Garfield didn't get one. And as we've seen, you know, Spider-Man 3, whether you love all the things they did or hated parts of it, it was still a really good, solid film, and that whole Peter Parker story arc... Uh, that we got to see from Sam Raimi, while not wholly perfect, was one of the better... Spider-Man 2 is one of the best superhero movies ever. And yeah. that's just... I mean, uh, most people would agree with you and if you Sam said Raimi that. Did, a, did a lot of good with that. Um, not everybody's perfect, but again, the yeah. 90s was a very different time for what people saw superheroes to be and what we kind of saw with what was a good superhero movie then, because back then the... I mean, the, let's, the Tim Burton Batman films were, yeah, were kind of still let's be honest, good stuff. The Sam Raimi Spider Man trilogy is really they were great for their time. It's what but the things that we've got now, yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. In my opinion, much better. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. The Sam Raimi Spider Man trilogy is kind of what kicked off the superhero boom that we have now. I mean, yeah, it was it without was the, it was the that first, and the Batman series. It was the first major success. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but the thing that really kind of kicked off. Major Marvel success in the '90s was Blade, the Blade trilogy, which actually occurred True. right before the Spider-Man trilogy did, um, and it was kind of the success of the first Blade film that really got the Spider-Man trilogy greenlit. Um, so, oddly enough, we have Wesley Snipes to thank for that. <laughs> uh, so, I will say but this: Yeah, I mean, he has horror roots. He has Spider-Man MC. Yeah, I mean, he's got Marvel. He has Marvel, he has Marvel and horror roots. Um, which we know with them to have kind of the scary. They said it's gonna be yeah. Mark, you know, be that as it may, whether that ends up being true or not, if that is the true reason that Derrickson parted ways with Marvel, that they didn't want it to be. 
Raimi has a way of doing scary, like what we saw with Goblin and Venom. Goblin was terrifying in the Goblin first Goblin was movie. terrifying. He was absolutely terrifying. And that's thankfully because Willem Dafoe was the best guy for that option. I that's mean, true. If you've gone around, there, there's been some postings that I've seen on Reddit and stuff lately where they talked about the other guys that were considered for that Goblin role. I think it was like Jim Carrey and like a I would like to see guys. Jim Carrey as a Goblin. That God, Goblin. No, that would have been cool. his Riddler was just... Yeah, but that's different. No, that's... it's not though, because that's every Jim character, Jim Carrey character ever in existence. So I mean, you have to think. So here's the thing: if Jim Carrey plays Jim Carrey in every film the same way Bruce Willis plays Bruce Willis in every film, so there is no difference. Well, here's the, here's the thing, and this is what concerns me about Ra- Raimi. Raimi's Spider-Man series was very realistic. Yes. So that's what scares me a little bit with him taking something like Doctor Strange, very mystical. Not very realistic for the most part. I mean, in the comics, Green Goblin is a is a goblin. I mean, yeah. he is a like he is a yeah, hunched they, over they like goblin. Exo, they gave him a military exosuit, which it, that, that concerns me just a little bit. With that, he, he seems more grounded in the. It's, it's just like um, it does, but again, Nolan's that was, that Batman was, series is very realistic. You knew you weren't going to get a whole lot of funny things. It was, but when you go back and you look at it, like the only real thing that we had. Back then, there wasn't really any great CGI. Like I said, you look, oh no, I agree you, with you. You look at the Blade series and the CGI that they had with that. Oh, you go back and was, watch. It was uh, garbage. Go back and watch Star Wars. You I look mean, at you. You when you I originally went back film? and watched that stuff, I thought, man, that was pretty good. And now yeah. you go back and look, and you go, okay, Jar Jar doesn't even look you had to do like physical, he's the same. You had to do physical, real, visual effects, makeup, heavy, yes. heavy plaster molds, masks, stuff like that. Like what you had to do with Peter Jackson's orcs and stuff. Like, even then, that was still, like, those don't really resemble, resemble truly the orcs and uruks that we are that we read about. They're more like your typical D&D and Pathfinder um, orcs, which have, you know, more mm, pig-like faces right. and things like that. You know, the, the, the typical pig snouts and tusks and yeah. things like that. Um, so they're really kind of limited by, by the, the technology of their time, whereas now we really don't have that issue anymore. I mean, True. you saw what they've been able to do with just... Very minimal prosthetics for uh, Thanos and for the Skrulls, and yeah. even with 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 Hulk, who they've been able to mostly CGI yeah. um, the majority of that that figure. Um, oh yeah, I they've mean, done they've done a lot of good stuff. CGI has come a long a long good way that we could meaningfully create a realistic Goblin. Um, but that's not to say that the MCU hasn't grounded itself in in some levels of reality oh i agree that it has with, with the way that they've done costumes and the way that they've reinvented or combined certain characters like whiplash and uh, yeah i mean i agree with you when crimson Dynamo, it's just it's just there when are we ways see to, that they do it there it's not necessarily going to be like super grounded like dc like no it's very dark and gritty in reality no, right it's, it's not going to be like that but there are ways that it, it makes sense and even then that Sam Raimi Green Goblin, even though it wasn't an actual goblin, that was by far one of the best iterations of Green Goblin that I've ever seen. Just from it's meant to be purely terrifying, Halloween masky kind of thing. Now, look great. Is that the only time, movies, comics, otherwise, that he is a guy in a suit? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so that that was something that was changed for the movie, essentially. It was, but again, you have to look with what work with what they had at the time. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I can understand that. And, and obviously, you kind of see what they did with Doc Ock, and you kind of see what they did with Venom. Doc Ock was perfect. Sandman was really the only villain of that trilogy that seemed a little more 
outlandish. Yeah. I mean, everything else seemed a little more... And that's obviously because um, Spider-Man 3 was made in 2007, so technology moves along a little bit. So... I think it, it can be it done, gets... and even for Doctor Strange, the way that they, the way that they kind of broke down how physics and stuff works in the MCU, it wasn't necessarily that it's actually magic. It's just they're tapping into a way to manipulate the physics of this world. Right, and, and I think that helps, but and that definitely helps ground the magic into something that can be easily understood, especially with the whole premise that we've been given ever since the first Thor movie. And with Captain America's Red Skull and his interpretation of Asgardian magic. Right. Is that even Thor literally says what you all consider magic, magic is, is science, science to us. World. You yeah. just haven't figured it out yet. Um, and that's very much what Red Skull repeated is, you know, it's, sci- it's science. You just don't understand it yet. That's why it's magic. Right. So, again, it all kind of grounds itself in, into some form of reality or another. I don't necessarily think we're going to get to see a major split from the effects and things that have been done there because they're way too consistent with the way that they want things to be. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think there's not going to be a major change. breach in things like that. Um, and and the characters that that we're getting are definitely more mystical in terms of yes. Doctor Strange. So there's really not anything you have to worry about with like characters like Doctor Voodoo. It's going to be a very Voodoo Master aesthetic. Clea has that purple suit, which you might get to see them be more akin to purple colored purple and black robes similar to how uh dr strange is more of a standard blue robe with a black sash as opposed to the standard you know almost teutonic scabbard with the unique symbols on the front and the multicolors to it it's just a standard robe right with his red cape and a black uh sash it's simple it's effective it's not 100 percent comic book accurate but for the most part it gets the right aesthetic yeah, uh, and it is more realistic and grounded. Same thing with the cap suits. You don't really get to see that scale mail suit until the final end game scene. Yeah, because again, the tech wasn't quite there, and again, the suits kind of evolve and change over time anyway. Um, and we've seen certain monstrous characters have always been portrayed as actual monstrous characters in the MCU. True, it hasn't true. actually been a true divergence in that sense yet that true. we've seen. And um, again. The MCU has a way of manipulating character appearance and origin in a way that fits the MCU's narrative in a way that is both grounded and alludes to its original comic book origins that makes sense for that world. Yeah. And it's done well, and it, it, it gives enough an homage and Easter egg appearance that it, it can be done well. And I think everybody can be mostly happy with it, even if it is... I will tell you this. If Sam Raimi directs this film... And Toby Maguire doesn't show up. I mean, that's something that people in a, have been in a, around. in a New York City setting. And just even if it's just a quick flash and he just kind of turns, I it's not something that I I just think that if if Sam Raimi's gonna do it, that should be that should be okay. That's I mean, yeah, first thing we're doing, just something a little. It doesn't have to be, be anything huge. That would be great, especially if the Venom film is gonna tie anything into that. I mean, I just think that's a cute little way to go, yeah, we kind of acknowledge this, it might be over here, but for right now, we're not worried about it. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is they'd have to get approval to do that with Amy Pascal and the guys over at Sony. Well, the nice, the nice thing is... I don't know that they will greenlight that kind of Easter egg. The nice is. thing is you can just throw Tobey Maguire in there and you can just show his face. You don't I mean, have to say anything. It, 
people like me and you and people listening yeah, to this people podcast, will read into they'll it. know. They'll be like, "Oh my God, it's it's Peter Parker from whatever Earth they decide that's gonna be." So it, it's I'm not saying you have to name him. I'm saying Tobey Maguire just needs to to pan, look at the camera, and then look away. I mean, you're right because I mean, even when they did what was it, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, Donald Glover's character. Yeah. Everybody, thought, Ever, everybody swore up and down he was going to be Miles Morales, and then he makes that comment about his nephew. About his nephew. And then we're all like, and "Oh my saw, god!" And then we saw Spider Verse. We we're like, "Okay, that's definitely Miles Morales. He exists in the MCU somewhere." And so, I mean, yeah, there's ways to allude to characters without definitely mentioning them by name. So having him just kind of show up as some random dude in New York, like eat, eating pizza, eating pizza, eating pizza with a pizza, with a. Pizza time. I'm telling you the it's best scene. Time. If you if if they so if they're going I love between, it. I, think it'd be great. I just don't think it's gonna. Happen. If they're gonna go between dimensions or something like that, and they spit out, and it's say they spit out in front of the, a pizza shop, and it's him sitting down, camera facing him, and you're looking at the back of a redhead. I mean. I mean, it, anything I, can happen. I buy it. I love it. I don't. Anything I don't think happen. we're going to actually see it, but I, I, I would not be upset if it happened. I would, I would be very overjoyed. Yeah, um, I think it would be cool. It would definitely just be something. It's just one of those neat little things. Just that the audience, the certain people in the audience, would go, "Okay, yeah, that's that's cool." Yeah, it, it'll be a cool, neat thing. If it happens, it'll be great. Scott Derrickson did come out and support Sam Raimi, uh, the Sam Raimi rumor and talks. Right. supposedly happening he did support him as a vocal successor uh to it so that may help uh add a little credence to this rumor i don't know necessarily if it does i think it's more of just him seeing the rumor and saying hey if this is true big right. thumbs up for me right. good direction to take it um and like i said most people have been pretty much happy uh and accepting of it it's just the the fact that there are sam raimi uh apologist fanboys diehards that are out there that have basically said that every version of spider-man that we've seen since has been garbage including tom holland's and i don't oh know if that kind of purist nonsense is the kind of thing i want to introduce i agree with you at, at that at that time especially because it, to me anyway like the holland stories have been the best so far in my opinion he's been my favorite iteration of the character garfield has been my favorite spider like peter parker spider-man he was my favorite spider-man i hated his peter parker Tobey Maguire, I loved his Peter Parker, hated his Spider-Man. Tom Holland is the perfect blend of the two, and I think it's a good middle ground, especially with the fact that he's actually the right age and not 30. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but those are some, that, that's, you know, it, it's heading in a good direction, uh, like I said, and we're all just kind of waiting yeah. to see what Sony actually puts together once he does officially part ways after his third entry, um, which there are more rumors that are kind of pushing out, kind of changing directions here for just a slight minutia of a moment. Um, more and more rumors are leaning towards Craven being the big bad for uh, Spider-Man like 3, that. which have long been rumored. Everybody's been clamoring for it, um, especially with that big reveal that you know his secret is out at the end of Spider-Man 2. Um, the introduction of Craven as a character is really kind of a big thing now because he's a he's a bounty hunter. He's going to go out and try right. to get him. Um, so that 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 he's creates gonna, a, get an you. interesting thing. <laughs> he's going to go out and get you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what he does. Um, but I mean, it is a really good time to introduce that character to the storyline, and it is seeming to have a lot more credence to it now. There are I... a lot more things that are kind of coming together behind the scenes from leaks and things that people have been seeing and talking about in the shadows of MCU hallways. That it seems that that seems to be the way that they're pushing this next story because they are still pinning scripts for that, right? It, um, but it is leaning very heavily towards Craven, and if we don't see him at least alluded to in this film or functioning in some sort of small role, I'll be very surprised. 
So I, I'll be honest. So we've seen just about every Spider-Man villain that we could see, in some shape or form, since yeah. Raimi's, since Raimi's Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. we've gotten every Goblin, man. Venom, Sandman, Rhino, Rhino, Electro, Shocker, Scorpion, Scorpion, make yeah, uh, Vulture. Vulture. I mean, everybody shows up. I would love. We even had Shocker. Yeah, I mean, I would love. I know people are not going to like this, but I kind of want to go back to, like, I'd love to see Goblin again. I would love to yeah, see Norman Osborn Yeah, and I have Osborn no problem again. going back and seeing old characters revisited. I mean, there's nothing that says they can't unless, you know, Sony deliberately says, no, this is a movie we want to pursue in our own way. Right. Uh, and that's really the only hang-up to anything moving forward. Um, yeah, because I... Know th- but we know that even though they themselves want to push off on their own thing, with what we've seen from what they're trying to do with the Morbius movie with... Edward Toomes coming back, yeah, uh, as reprising his MCU role as Vulture. That while they're trying to distance themselves and go off and do their own thing and prove that they can do Spider-Man on their own to some justice now, um, that's still going to be piggybacking off the MCU's success with the right. character and with with the writing. Granted, they've had a, they've had a big hand in helping write that character, um, but I think MCU involvement has definitely helped write the ship in terms of what people want and get excited Agreed. about Spider-Man. Um, it doesn't have to always be Spider-Man getting the daylights knocked out of him. He doesn't always have to be losing. I mean, Spider-Man does end up getting the daylights kick, kicked out of him, and he does end up having bad days in the comic books all the time. He's always running behind. There's always something that he fails at. And we even get to see that in the Tom Holland universe. He's not necessarily 100% on his game. He's still struggling. He's still trying to figure stuff out. I mean... He's not 100% established and ready to go. He's not a fully adult Spider-Man who can handle everything. And even adult Spider-Man can't quite keep up with everything. Um, but I think as his universe expands, it's going to be a lot more interesting to see how some of these other characters introduce themselves and create a bigger threat to his world. Yeah. Um, which I don't think we're going to get to see Green Goblin anytime soon, especially since we don't have his childhood friend Harry Osborn. I think... True. If we do get to see that, it'll be a couple years down the line after they've done a couple different movies. Um, because I think the way that they're building it up, since there is no Harry in high school, it's going to be Harry, his college buddy. Um, I can see again, something like that happening, yeah. characters that I'd like to really see, I've, I've been saying this for a while now, I would love to see Black Cat because of that relationship Yeah, that, that the two of them kind of have, where it's literally cat and mouse. Like She does evil, he tries to teach her to do good. They both have this romantic relationship that kind of competes with his relationship with MJ and gets him in trouble with her. Um, and again, we don't really have a fully realized Mary Jane MJ relationship I'll be honest. between him and Tom Holland Spider Man. I uh... and that's something that really comes more to fruition when he is more of an adult. Um, so again, I'm very curious to see what we get to see from Spider Man and his story and his foes down the line because that's going to be much more akin to yeah what we expect from his story because as he becomes more mature his story and his characters and his villains are going to yes. mature with him I wouldn't mind I seeing think that's Rhino. a really cool thing to get to see we didn't I mean we had to see him a little bit in Garfield's movie the last one but I'd love to see him full-fledged as, I mean because you have to think I, I put Rhino in the same category as like Vulture I didn't think Vulture was going to be a great you know super villain by himself and he and I ended up loving Rhino's the first great. one yeah I mean he's a, he's, a, he's a good support villain um, but he's one of those guys that he's definitely more of a team up kind of kind of villain. Yeah, I mean, on his own. so I'm actually I'm shocked, but that he's they... almost always better as as a as a sub villain. Like there's always somebody. Well, that's I'm, I'm shocked somebody they didn't put him with Vulture 
the way that they the way they set up Vulture, the way he is his suit was set up essentially. Yeah. I'm yeah, surprised I mean, they didn't sense. do the same thing with Rhino. I mean, you could have had a a good one two punch there. That I felt like I feel like Peter Parker could have still taken on and wouldn't have struggled too too much with that. Um, but I mean, obviously we got Shocker instead, which. Wasn't you know wasn't a terrible uh, addition at all. Uh, I I liked him in the first movie. He didn't do a whole lot, but uh, he was interesting. It was nice to see somebody new. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's been. I mean, like I said, since we've done the Raimi Spider Man trilogy, we've gotten a different villain. Yeah, and getting the we scene. That won't repeat yet. Well, that's the thing is with these with the Spidey MCU characters. These are the first MCU characters villains rather that we actually get to see Shocker kind of disappear for a little while. He just kind of runs off into the mm. darkness, never to be heard or seen from again. He doesn't die. Same thing with Adrian Toomes. Yep. Adrian Toomes Vulture. He gets locked up. Scorpion in prison, locked up. These rogues are getting locked up, not killed off. Right. And that's the great thing about Spider-Man villains is that they stick around. They're very much like Batman's Rogue Gallery. They're there. They get locked up. They don't get killed off. They stick around because they add good character growth and development. Yep. Because as we've learned with Adrian Toomes, they figure out his story, but it's more important to them that they keep that secret so that it's something they can play down the line to to better their own plans. Right. It's ways that they can manipulate Spider-Man to get him off their scent is by sending some thugs to go rough up Aunt May or threaten something that Peter's involved with. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's kind of that unspoken thing, which that's the other thing, is that almost every iteration of Spider-Man that we've seen at some point, the major villain, whether it's Green Goblin, or even Harry's Venom, or Vulture, or even Shocker, they all figured out that Spider-Man, at some point, was Peter Parker. Yeah. That, that realization always comes around, which is why it was really different to see Mephisto out him because no other Spider-Man villain does that. Yeah. So it, it is a unique and different different take and it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of pushes things forward. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see... Because that's a completely different development from anything that we've yeah. really seen. Yeah, I'm excited to see that character kind of going forward as a whole. Just um, If he shows up and makes cameos or appearances in any other Marvel properties, I have to imagine he does before they do another Spider-Man movie. Um We'll see what happens essentially, and we'll see how his character grows, and um, you know, kind of what's going on with him in the future. Or maybe he does lay low until the next Spider-Man movie, and he just kind of stays out of the way. I mean, he very much could, and that doesn't mean they can't allude to him in the greater MCU. One of the greater story arcs um, in recent comics that they've done is there's a whole scene where Spider-Man kind of disappears, and Cap and everybody are at the Avengers Mansion, the facility. They're doing training and stuff, and. Cap, ever since Spider-Man disappeared, has been keeping tracks, keep trying to keep tabs on, trying to figure out where he is and what he's doing. And while everybody's training, they're kind of arguing about, you know, Cap, why are you worried about, why are you worried about Peter? It's not an issue. You know, like, we've got all this stuff going on, there's all mm-hmm. these bigger issues. And then, you know, he basically says, you know, that kid has an awful lot of heart, and he's able to basically keep Manhattan safe. Like, we're based in Manhattan. The Avengers Tower is here in Manhattan. And we get to focus on all these global threats because he spends so much time keeping all these low-level guys like Goblin and Venom and, you know, Vulture and Craven. All these other guys, he keeps all of them at bay for the most part so that they can focus on bigger issues and keep kind of keep all the small guys out of his hair. He's your local neighborhood-friendly Spider-Man. Yeah. He's keeping all these mid-grade villains from becoming a larger threat. So that they're not Avengers level events out there, so the Avengers right. can actually focus on bigger picture things. So it makes sense for Spider Man to kind of disappear from the MCU. 
from the greater grand scale of things to kind of keep focusing on his local stuff. Um, because that's kind of what we see with, with Far From Home is that he does the global thing, he can do the global thing, and occasionally he's called to do called to do those things with the Avengers, but for the most part, he sticks to Manhattan, and there's a good reason why. Yeah. Because that's his home turf, that's where he knows things, that's where he has the home field advantage, and, you know, that's, that's really what Spider-Man is. Spider-Man is a New York story, it's not meant to be a global thing. Yeah. He can go out and he can do these things, and it's a really cool thing to see that happen every once in a while. But he's got to be your friend yeah. in the neighborhood spider. I was really I was shocked when they took Far From Home in the direction that it, that it did go. I mean, I get it. They kind of wanted to I think before the Sony thing kind of fell through the way it did and that Sony's being the way they were, I think they kind of wanted Spider-Man to be more part of their, you know, Avenger initiative. They wanted him to be more involved, but I think that's now going to be something that doesn't just doesn't happen as easily. Right, and that's um, kind of the other thing too is that even even before that happened with with Homecoming, when he was offered the suit by Tony Stark to be a full-fledged member of the Avengers, he turned it down and said, no, I'm, I'm good just being a, a local hero. Right. Like, that's kind of his bag. So, getting to see that kind of play out on screen is going to be a, kind of a better better way of, uh, of a direction for me, anyway, because that kind of keeps him grounded in the comic book roots that, that I, right. I like him to stay in. Yeah. Um, going back to Doctor Strange, um, we do have a bit of sad news. Uh, Oh, this breaks my heart. Um, uh, anybody who's been victimized by MCU's contract deals, uh, please raise your hand. Anybody who doesn't uh, know what all, that reference is, all of us. Um, that's a Mean Girls reference because Rachel McAdams has uh, basically said that she will not be. It is rumored and reported. I think it, it was reported in Variety. I yeah, think she did Variety. Variety, variety they, is they broke the story. who broke the story. Um, basically saying that she will not be coming back. Uh, to reprise her role uh, for her character in Doctor Strange 2. I don't know if it's necessarily a Natalie Portman-esque kind of thing where she feels like she's being really only a love interest, which with the original script that they may have been seen from Scott Derrickson's, uh, that very well may be an issue. Right. Again, with all the things that they were kind of writing out, there may not be a role for her in yeah. Multiverse of Madness. Um, so it's not necessarily... I don't necessarily know that it means that she's walking away from the character. It just means that she won't be present in this film. Um, right. And what we know of her character, this Christine, um, her character does eventually go on to become Night Nurse, uh, the character that Rosario Dawson right. played in uh, the Daredevil and Punisher. Oh, my God. That was her? It's that was Night character. Nurse? Yeah, same character. I didn't know that. Yep. They're both meant to be a version of Night Nurse. Um, which she kind of helps out local heroes right. when they get bandaged. Definitely more of a city-level hero. Yeah, she's more of your local hero, which, again, that could just be them writing her out so that they could maybe make the, that story better fit uh, when they do decide to reintroduce those Netflix heroes into the greater MCU. Uh, because we, knew that, we know they do have the rights back. They're just sitting on the contract exclusivity for, right. from, for Netflix to fade away. Even though they do have have the characters back already, there's so much time before they can put them on screen again. Right. So it could have something to do with that. Could have to do with the fact that maybe there's just not a role for her in Multiverse of Madness as it's being pushed forward and not a meaningful way. And she may have felt that not having enough of a role meant there's no point for me to go and collect a paycheck on it. Um, and that doesn't mean that her multi-film contract is really in jeopardy at this point just means we won't get to see her in Doctor Strange 2 she may show right. up in some other Marvel franchise yeah I would I really I hope really they hope keep they her around her I really like Rachel McAdams um, I think she's she is good uh, she's one of the things good, that, yeah. that 
that kind of worries me though is that with with the ca- recent casting call and news that Emily Blunt or Blunt has been yeah. interviewed for roles, I'm really hoping that they're not going to Terrence Howard, uh, Rachel McAdams Agreed. with uh, Emily Blunt's character because I really hope Emily Blunt gets Clea because I think that's a really good media role for her to sink her teeth into. I think it'd be a really great role for her to her, her jump into, especially since we know Sue Storm is so far off in casting Limbo that. Yeah. It's not going to be possible, even though I'd really love to see her be Sue Storm. I think it's a perfect fan casting. Uh, but again, it all comes down to who, who Marvel has in, in mind for this stuff. And you know that they have somebody in mind. For right. Um, they, they've always had people in mind for every role that they go to put out there. They always have a first choice. Uh, so if they're interviewing her for Clea, that's who I think is the strongest point. I really don't think they're going to recast a, a, a side character like that. Um no, generally, again, I mean, that is a concern that I have had. Is I don't, I, yeah, I, in the back of my mind, it's not. I mean, but I generally, they they've been pretty good with. Ca- I mean, like because we know, I, I think Emily Blunt is strong enough to a, do a, of a lead Yes, from, I agree with you. From you know, one hundred and ten percent agree with you. Uh, I, I mean, we have to look. They've been pretty good about casting stuff. Terrence Howard is really the only big casualty that we've had out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you have to think out of almost twelve years, that's. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it was him and Hugo weaving, and both of the times it was supposedly over money. Well, Hugo also had a problem with the prosthetics he was wearing. He didn't like the mask. Uh, I think there was other issues to why he didn't return to do. Yeah, he also wanted a larger role. Exactly. There, the there was a time. lot more going on with him. Um, but I mean, his character, Red Skull, is so small when it comes to Infinity War and Endgame. That's not a huge deal, in my opinion. Um, Terrence Howard is much more integral his character war machine is much more integral to what's going on yeah so um, but i i mean for the most part they've done a great job with casting keeping people around it, it seems like people want to be a part of this and and want to take take part in it and be involved in it so uh i, I don't i don't necessarily it, think it's anything i don't think it's necessarily rachel stepping away i think it's just uh, I mean, it could be her stepping away, but it, it's, it's... It's hard to say why, but again, I mean, like I said, we, what we've seen with Natalie Portman is it was contract issues, it was about the role, it was about the substance of that role for right. her. It wasn't necessarily that... There were a whole lot of people that had issues with the first two Thor movies. I mean, Chris Hemsworth oh. was, was even considering not coming back for a third Thor movie. Yeah, they were... Um, they, they, were they were rough goings. Um, but the thing is, Marvel has really managed to, to kick things around, and I think... Whether you like the comments about diversity that that have been made in Hollywood recently, with Brie Larson kind of pushing that that charge after she got you know cast as, as Miss Marvel or uh, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, um, that's just my old comic book roots showing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talked about that right. age before that transition, um, but she really led that that whole you know we want more female directors we want more diversity in in the mcu and right. feige has openly said in this phase and moving forward there's gonna be a lot more diversity in both you know casting yeah. and with the way that we approach things it's gonna be a lot more appropriate there's gonna be more female directors gonna be more female cast members and writers and things like that and that's all great i'm all for it but i i, I think it's one of those things is that i i don't necessarily think that those issues that would have been part of what Natalie Portman complained about is what we're going to be seeing causing Rachel Adams. Yeah, I, I don't think that's it either. I, I think it's more just either her... there's not really a place for her in this film, Agreed. and so we're not really going to see her in it. Yeah, it doesn't I, mean we won't have some Easter eggs, some cutscenes where she's been in it, um, because we do know that Eternals has already wrapped its full filming. Yep, so that's, saw that. That's, that's, that's all well and good to go. I think it's just a matter of 
finding a better place for her to fit yep. into the universe moving forward. Agreed. Or even if there is a place for her right now, because they very well may give her a, a Disney Plus series of Night Nurse where she just kind of handles more local people when we finally get to see That'd be neat. characters come Something back. interesting. I like that. Um, that That's something that might be interesting. But like I said, we really don't know. We just know that she's not going to be coming into Doctor Strange 2. Right. So. so. All right. Well, uh, anything else we got to talk about tonight? I think we pretty much covered everything. Actually, this was a lot longer than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we got so. a couple more tangents, um, but that was... Uh, Big the meat and potatoes of everything. So. Yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot to cover this week. There was just a lot of context that yeah. had been provided for the very few things that we did have. Right. Um, yeah. For the most part, I mean, pretty slow news week. Not a whole lot going on. Um, there were a lot of quiet additions to Xbox Game Pass. So if you do have that, go ahead and give yeah. give those a look. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of Absolutely. good stuff on there. Uh, make sure you guys are always checking that. If you do, I mean, if you have an Xbox, you should have that regardless. So it's always good to check there. Um, as the month, so after February finishes up, when we get into March, we get into a little bit more game releases, things like that. March will start to be some bigger months, and obviously we get closer to June, we'll start hearing some E3 stuff. Yeah, um, some E3. Yeah, rumors about that. C2, E2, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, there'll be plenty of stuff that is coming out. Um, but if you don't have anything else... Nope. Yep. Just keep gaming, keep playing, keep reading all the things you like to read, watch the things you like to watch, keep an ear to the ground, keep enjoying the things that you love, and don't forget, keep it between the joysticks. We'll see you next time.